Good morning, everyone. It's so very nice to see all of you. And we hope you had a really good week. And uh, we are excited for our new series on David and lessons from a complicated life. I would like to ask you just to have a bit of olive oil ready as we prepare ourselves for the service. May you be richly blessed during our time together. Last week, we finished a series entitled Animals of the Bible, where we honed in on stories where animals have a prominent role to play, ranging from speaking donkeys, who remembers Balaam the seer, Jonah and the fish, Daniel and the lion's den, Elijah provided for by the ravens. And last week, John spoke about snakes and the significance of Christ's crucifixion and ultimately our salvation. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you our new summer sermon series called David, Lessons from a Complicated Life. Now, we know more about David than any other human being in Holy Scripture. He's referred to more than something like 600 times in the Old Testament and 60 in the New. He was a man after God's own heart, a poet, musician, and true leader. But he also had many flaws and shortcomings, for he remained human. I invite you, I encourage you, I actually urge you to read through the first and second books of Samuel over the course of the next few weeks. You will discover and rediscover stories that will blow your mind. If we had more time, we could literally spend an entire year or more dissecting this fascinating narrative. My hope and my prayer is that we will be inspired and encouraged through these teachings and lessons from David's life to grow deeper in our faith. So come, come with a sense of expectation of what God is going to teach you through his word as we congregate for these services. First two verses from Psalm 89. I have found David my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. God of all generations, we come to worship you. God of the high and low self-esteemed, we come to worship you. God of those who struggle with hardships, we come to worship you. God of the humble, we come to worship you. God of the poor, we come to worship you. God of the son of humanity, we come to worship you. Amen. It's a time of economic and political chaos in Israel. The judges are something of the past, and everyone did as they saw fit. The very last words of the book of Judges. So there's also moral and spiritual chaos. And the people said, well, a solution to all our woes would be to anoint and instate a king like all the other nations. So the prophet Samuel made Saul king, but he continuously disobeys God's instructions and comes to a heavy fall and is rejected by God. Samuel told Saul, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. God even tells Samuel in chapter 15, it grieves me that I have set up 
Saul to be king. That is very harsh. So the Lord decides to choose a new king. And this is where our story for today picks up. Who would he choose? Who would God entrust as king? Again, someone with excellent features like Saul, tall and handsome from a good family, wealthy, proper education. Would he choose someone similar or someone totally different? And we soon find out. And boy, are we surprised at God's choice. Samuel, the prophet, is sent to the smallest, most insignificant tribe to meet an ordinary sheep farmer we've never even heard of, Jesse. And Jesse is dumbfounded, shocked out of his wits. It must have been the equivalent of some famous president rocking up at your doorstep. Someone like Jacinda Ardern. You'd be honored, yes. But you'd be wondering why she traveled all the way from New Zealand to meet you. Samuel had celebrity status. And him rocking up with a horn filled with oil and a heifer. You know something big is going down. But Samuel didn't always have good news. So Jesse was breaking out of sweat as his sons paraded up and down before the prophet. Eliab, swipe left. Abinadab, swipe left. Shammah, swipe left. No, no, no. Seven sons. Not one of them. The show was over. Jesse was pathetic in his disappointment. Now, Samuel is sweating. Did he misinterpret God? Did he hear wrong? Any chance you have any more sons? To which Jesse responds, Yes, there's one kid, but he's out with the sheep. Referred to by his father as the baby brother. In Hebrew, the word that is used is hakaton, which means the youngest carrying an undertone of insignificance, of not counting for very much. Certainly not a prime candidate for prestigious work. The family run, the youngest, smallest from the tiniest clan and an unknown family. But these are our favorite stories, aren't they? The underdog stories. An 18-year-old Emma Radasanu going through to the next round of Wimbledon. Denmark going through to the semis. But not even David's own father thinks he has the potential. Jesse's condescending opinion is confirmed by the job to which he is assigned. Tending to the sheep. The least demanding of all the jobs on the farm. The place where he could do the least damage. Because David was out of the way and mostly ignored as he tended the sheep, nobody had even thought of bringing him to Bethlehem that day. Yet, David was chosen. Chosen and anointed. Chosen not for what anybody saw in him. Not his father. Not his brothers. Not even Samuel. But because of what God saw in him. Friends, this is a common theme in the Bible, the unlikely candidate being chosen. Just think of who Jesus invites initially to be his first disciples. 
the not good enoughs, the oddballs, the misfits, the outcasts to follow him. What the culture then would deem simple or uneducated or ordinary. God likes working with seemingly inferior candidates because people are more likely to understand their success as the result of the Lord's power through them. And he usually calls out the superficial ones as whitewashed tombs, like he did with the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus said, yeah, you're beautiful on the outside with your pretty clothes and your fancy houses and years of schooling and eloquent speech. But inside you resemble something of a rotting corpse, full of hypocrisy and wickedness. We people, we tend to see superficially. We put too much stock on appearances. Can you think of any popular British reality shows on TV? What do they have in common? You said it. We live in a culture orientated to image and appearance. Products are sold by the appearance of youth and sexuality. Appearance is everything. No wonder many young people today struggle with self-esteem. In the last year, the NHS's mental health psychiatric department has been flooded with young people suffering not only from anxiety, but especially eating disorders. Those admitted with anorexia and bulimia has tripled since the start of lockdown. Why? More screen time, more time on social media, more comparing myself with those that have a following, look a certain way, unable to keep up with what seems to be the norm. And the result, we know that the result is devastating for the mental health of our young people. Here's the root of the problem. Our culture elevates externals to the level where people treat them as the real measure of their worth. That is false. Couldn't be further from the truth. Outward appearance, as we heard Christine and Karen say, is never the real story. It's not the real measure of us. God looks at what we are at heart level. And what does he see in you? He sees his creation, the crown of his creation, his child he wants to use to shape and shake the world. Whatever their pedigree or accomplishment. In fact, you know what? Paul actually considers all these earthly things, all his accolades as utter rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ and to be in a living relationship with him. To choose the youngest son who labors as a shepherd to be Israel's future king is to ignore the usual arrangements for power and influence in the ancient world. And you know what? God hasn't changed. He still chooses to choose and anoint those who don't seem on the outside if they could seriously pull it off. We read this in verse 7 where it says, God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. God sees on the inside. 
And you know what? The point is not only this. The point is all the verbs with God as subject. God is the one who rejects Saul as king. God is the one who speaks to Samuel, who sends Samuel, who chooses, who anoints through Samuel. God who sends his spirit on David after his anointing. In the end, this passage is all about God continuing his campaign to save the world, using one to save all. Determined to use even the weak and lowly and despised to accomplish his great purpose of saving the world. That's wonderful. And dear friends, this serves as a reminder, but also an invitation. You are chosen. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you've done, Christ has chosen you. And there has a very specific and special calling on your life. I say this and I need to say it because I sometimes forget it. When I fall into the trap of measuring myself with other ministers and pastors who seem to be much more successful in pursuing God's heart, I'm reminded through this story that no matter how I feel about my own ability to make a difference, God chooses to use me every day. And we forget these things. Why? Because we live in a broken world where there is a lot of distrust. We were all shocked when we saw those video images of Matt Hancock and his aide appearing in the news. And their greatest critique, he wasn't socially distancing. I mean, come on. This guy and this lady have broken their vows, publicly shaming their spouses and families. The worst breach of trust there is. How is that not the main concern? Whatever breach of trust you've gone through, whatever pain or hurt, the God of David chooses you in each and every moment. The world might disappoint you, let you down, break your trust, but he won't. Like David, you too have been chosen. And so this finally leads us to the invitation. I've asked you to have a bit of olive oil ready. And I want you to just put the olive oil, not in your tea, but in something where you can just dip your finger in it. And just a little bit will do. And I said earlier, I'm definitely not going to ask you to pour this olive oil on your hair. But I want to ask you just to make a cross on your forehead as a symbol and a sign of the fact that you have been chosen by God to be used in the advancement of his kingdom. And I want you there where you are, as you feel this oil on your forehead, as you are reminded of this truth, to just close your eyes for a brief moment. And there where you are, close your eyes after you've made the cross on your forehead. If you don't have oil, just do it with your finger. And I would like for you just to repeat after me. Like David, I've been chosen. I've been anointed. I've been set apart for a specific 
purpose. And even though I'm not perfect, I know you continue to work through me. Help me to love as you love, Father. Help me to serve as you serve, Jesus. And help me to listen to your leading, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this passage. Thank you for David. Thank you for the start of this new sermon series where we can reflect on his life. Father, we sometimes feel so, so broken down and inferior when we think of all the issues in the world, of all the troubles, and we feel like we don't have the capacity to make a difference. But we know, Lord, that's possibly the best place that we can be at because then we can submit fully to your power working through us. And so that is my prayer for my friends, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that we will act and speak and live in such a way that we will let your light shine, that we will live as anointed ones, not having confidence in our own flesh, but having confidence in you working through us. Wherever we've been, wherever we come from, whatever we've done, we know that your salvation is enough. And because of this, and the thankfulness and gratitude we have for this, we can live as chosen ones, anointed by your Spirit. Lord, and my prayer is finally for us as individuals that we will live this out so that others will feel also chosen, that we will live in such a way that people realize that they are special and unique, that we will speak life wherever we go. We praise your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us. I want to give you one last instruction, and that is to have this oil that you've poured out to put it somewhere in your house this week as a reminder that you too have been chosen and anointed for a specific task in every day. Might you not forget that as we go into this new week, that God is always with you. Dear friends, and finally now receive the blessing. May the blessing of the Lord Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you forevermore. Amen.